Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 486, and today we'll be talking about Miracle Rabbit from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. And if I had a nickel for every media property I consumed this year, where we encounter a mansion on a barren moon with a lone inhabitant, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and which one is the creepier? Hmm... You know what? I am going to go ahead and give that to Summer Camp Island, because in Peril on Gorgon, you can solve any of your problems in uh, the Outer Worlds with a gun, and Oscar is just not that kind of guy. He has to find a way to be nice to the Miracle Rabbit, despite the attempted entrapment. The attempted, effectively murderous entrapment. I mean, he'll get to chill there for, uh... For the rest of his natural life, it's not like he won't feed him or anything. <laughs> yeah, although, did the guests of <laughs> of the Miracle Rabbit die twice in different bathrooms in a pose? Or, more disturbingly, did they die and Miracle Rabbit posed them? And why are there three bathrooms mm-hmm. in the hallway? I'm just going to assume that they died of natural causes, and it's just, you know, the last thing you do before you die is go to the bathroom. It's natural. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm sticking with he posed them, and it's horrifying. (laughs) Especially since they're all in in the same hallway, I'm going to say he keeps setting them up like a little gallery. (laughs) I love how Oscar keeps, oh my gosh, I'm not this rude, honest. It's like, um, do you ever, do you ever knock? (laughs) one no two i love that he lives in such a magical world that he i'm gonna say that's his excuse for not questioning um you know skeletons (laughs) and whether or not they were actually alive because oscar i hate to tell you those were just regular skeletons not (laughs) not living ones Uh, that that was pretty pretty peak oscar i think yeah it's a wonder that ramona decided he would be the best person to bring on this mission but i guess he's excited to talk so <laughs> exactly she brought him because he is a fountain of useless information now david i know that you were curious in the past about what other real world events also happened in the world of summer camp island the 1969 miracle <laughs> bets still found a way to happen uh same in uh their world apparently as happened in ours meanwhile though the rocket launch to the moon couldn't have happened in that year because they would have met a talking moon, right? Like, <laughs> the rest of the Earth in this world doesn't think that the moon is alive. So that would, there has to be a divergence there. I mean, the moon isn't magical, except in Summer Camp Island. It's complicated. Yeah, is that how that works? <laughs> the moon is only magical in Summer Camp Island? Yep, and yet he can see things happening elsewhere in the world. I don't understand how it works. I don't I don't pretend to uh, understand a lot. Well, because they were in space. But then again, there was a ladder permanently connecting the moon. I don't think that's permanent. I think they I think they just set set the ladder up as needed. Yeah, well, because it was also in the Miracle Rabbit's backstory. <laughs> so yep. it seems like that ladder's very convenient. Well, it's not that far a distance. Is it stored on the moon? And I'll Mm. stop my questioning there. (laughs) You know what I'm thinking? I'm going to say 
Yes, he got out his bag of crisps so that he would just be, you know, I'm going to be chilling here. I might as well have some tater chips, you know? Okay, cool. So I think he's the one who deployed the moon ladder. Okay, deployed from his uh, hammer space that is most certainly unrelated to the location of the Miracle Rabbit's house. Sounds good. He probably keeps it in his garage. We've seen his house before. (laughs) Yeah, okay, there you go. Fair enough in universe explanation. (laughs) Uh, But uh, speaking of in-universe explanations, we get another explanation for the creation of time, uh, something that we briefly mentioned last week, but I know that in weeks prior, I have also said that this story is incredibly different from the version of uh, the creation of time we get from Midnight Quittance. Yeah. And what what do you think? Do you like this direction? Is it is it too simple? Is it an effective way to support this season's, you know, conclusion drawing in on friendship? I am of two minds about this. On one hand, I much prefer this personification of time as uh, just a creature who we will eventually meet. Uh, we will learn that Jim Jams is on his naughty list. Right. <laughs> but on the other hand, like Everything is about friendship. Friendship is the most central thing. It's like, I kind of liked it when just magic was born from friendship, but now we have time was born from friendship, too. It's too much. It's too much. It is a lot precipiced on friendship because, well, I mean, it doesn't feel that way in the in our world. (laughs) Like, does everything is is what is that most critical element? Is it friendship? Now, maybe in a world of magic. You know, maybe in the magic world, friendship should be the center. Adventure Time's idea was that magic is the center of insanity <laughs> or something something along those lines where, you know, magic is not... <laughs> Summer Camp Island is like literally My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. We just took that subtitle and we made <laughs> right. a magic system out of it. Like glowworms literally cause magic to exist in places with their good vibes from being good people. Exactly. It's, I don't know, it, it, it's a more precise theme, I guess, than some other cartoons, which might say, you know, like Steven Universe, is it that love or acceptance is the center of everything? And, you know, Avatar, similarly, like, love, friendship <laughs> is the center of what's important. So I guess if you're personifying that or uh, creating a mythology from it, then friendship is the center of everything that happened in in the universe but uh, it is yeah it's pretty simplistic or it does bring some questions about what it all really means yeah and uh just uh watching the miracle rabbit story i find it incredibly unbelievable that uh he would have so many people be like nah man i don't want to live forever it's like nobody <laughs> nobody wanted to join him in his immortality they're like nah i'm good now, see, now that does feel very Summer Camp Island because everyone's very inconsistent. <laughs> that is so not how our world would be. No, no, sometimes, yeah, like all the kids are totally polite on the island and like incredibly supportive of each other to an incredible degree. And so maybe, yeah, maybe all the rabbits also didn't want immortality. They just respected friendship and mortality as is and they understood the system. Doesn't mean that that couldn't flip flop at any other moment, but <laughs> at that moment, that's how they felt. True. In that episode, they cared deeply about things going normally. Also, did he consult everyone? I mean, it, he might have just consulted some 
rabbits that he'd lived near, you know? Yeah, he, he claims to uh, he claims to have gone on the lamb after uh, time got wise to him and didn't want any of this immortality stuff spreading. Apparently enough people wanted immortality, though, that time gave up on trying, because uh, by the time of Susie's day, uh, immortality potions are a dime a dozen, apparently. Dime a dozen, but... Uh, kind of inconsistent there, too, right? Like, yeah, Susie drank it, but we didn't. it didn't seem like it was a whole thing that a lot of people had. And where's the immortal people today in, in this world? Yeah, but the, but the immortality potion was something that was cheap enough for them to give to her as a prank. It was not something precious or hard for them to get. They're just like, oh, yeah, here you go, hot corn girl. Immortality potion for your trouble, whatever. It's like if I gave somebody a bottle of soda. Here, happy birthday. Yeah, it, it feels really plot convenient compared to, or in, instead of being something meaningful. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, sure, that's how she got the immortality potion, but realistically, wouldn't we have met more of those people who were immortal, or, you know, who were potentially not even magical and were immortal? I don't know. It's strange. Summer Camp Island inconsistent? David, surely you jest. No, but here's the thing. I mean, we're like really digging into it here, but at the end of the day, I think, I mean, I know I accept that's not really the point of the show, but it, you can't help but talking about it when you are confronted with these these backstories and this information. You're like, well, how much do I need to piece it together or not? Oh, I love analyzing backstories so much, so <laughs> it's just a thing that's going to happen with me. You're going to have to forgive me, Julia. <laughs> that's right. Like, I still love everything about how it is amorphous and inconsistent and you know like it's just cute fun at the end of the day <laughs> you know like the whole show is meant to kind of disarm you and just give you something to think about and what what's a better way to make people think about something or talk about something than having the details be off and you know uncertain <laughs> that's that's well, we're talking about it now mm, so it's effective okay well here we hear hear me out here. We know <laughs> that the Pharaoh seeds give many possible futures. Perhaps mm. perhaps each episode of Summer Camp Island is a different Pharaoh reading. Yes. And much like Nintendo's Legend of Zelda series, we can put out <laughs> one timeline today, but we're also gonna keep telling you that the timelines don't matter and we don't think <laughs> the creators of the stories do not think that hard about if it's all connected correctly or not. They're just out there to tell yeah. a fun story the time that time that they make a game, and so. <laughs> and you know what? I'm okay with that. I've I've come to realize that canon is something that you create after the fact, not something you try to assemble from the beginning. So, I approve. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you say that, but like, I immediately think of you know examples where that was done, <laughs> like Gravity Falls, very intentionally tight tight two seasons yeah. tight story i'm a lot of development in between but like comparatively steven universe also had its overall universe timeline and it had some of facts that it knew was very true from the beginning but i think it had a lot more i don't know bendiness along the way yeah a lot more wiggle room to um, exploit opportunities <laughs> 
we've we've spent all this time talking. We have not <laughs> talked about how wonderful the Miracle Rabbit was. Yes. He really is this crazy guy with way too much power uh, who's been left on his own for way too long. <laughs> yeah, there's hardly um, many people like him in in Summer Camp Island. Um, he is, he is a, a true threat. He is comical and um, definitely unstable. And man, it is so fun to see Ramona from the start having highly uneasy vibes and wanting to immediately leave the whole time. Like, Ramona's relatively virtuous, I would say. Yeah, she's a pretty chill girl. If you set her off, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. he's putting up some red flags for her. <laughs> right, it's some huge red flags. And she has no inhibitions about, you know, stealing the potion from the very start. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. I love that he's doing the characters, and Oscar is not once taken in by this. He's like, oh, you know, I think he's trying too hard, but uh, I can relate. And at the very end, it's like, this is he's doing the butler accent while, you know, getting ready to remove his collar. This is going to blow your mind. And then, it's me! <laughs> he thought he was fooling them. Like, did Oscar... Because, yeah, it sounded like Oscar was aware when he said that that one statement. But then it kind of felt like he was really buying the plumber. But maybe he was just playing along, like the way he was talking about it, even with Ramona, just kind of was talking. No, with the with the plumber, he was try he was actually being clever. He's like, Oh, I gotta get the uh, miracle rabbit out of here. Oh, I need to tell him he needs to go do plumber things somewhere. So, you know, to keep up the illusion, he will go and be the plumber. So he can tell Ramona alone but we got to bail. Right. So that's good. I think I sometimes think maybe too little of Oscar's intelligence. So he is understanding and using the situation to his advantage at that point. He is a slow reader, though, because we went from course one of our meal to what was it? Course 19, 18 or 19. <laughs> you know, it was finally time for dessert by the time he finished. I'm forced to believe that he read through that entire magazine. Um... Yeah, well, you know, he took some time finding the bathroom. And the courses might have come way faster without Oscar talking through all of them. Like, Ramona seemed very interested in ending the dinner, so she might have just been snarfing everything. True, true. I love the design of the dessert that's just kind of on fire. Yes. That's super ominous. Like, maybe it's either, well, I mean, ice cream being on fire is obviously incongruent, and so therefore scary. I like to think, though, that it's actually covered in, like, you know, some kind of alcohol or gasoline, though. <laughs> or, you know, some kind of fuel that just makes it even more uh, horrific. Well, clearly it's magical because its whole point is to trap you there forever. Although forever uh, doesn't go very far in the 90s because Moonbeam is able to bail from there just as soon as he traps the Miracle Rabbit in a net. So I don't know if that's a tracking device and the Miracle Rabbit will just hunt you down or what, but he had no trouble leaving the premises. Right, we never really get that fleshed out. I don't know if this is like fairly odd parent rules. Like once you're in the butterfly net, you know, effective magic could be diminished. But I mean, honestly, I don't even understand how the Miracle Rabbit could concoct any of this. We also still haven't seen yet if his potion's even effective or not. Like why the heck does he have a potion that can deal with, you know, neck tornadoes? Doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, like the tornado isn't the actual problem he's not 
that might get the tornado off of her neck, but she put it on her neck for a very good reason. So I have no idea what impact the potion was even meant to have. But the frog knew about it somehow, which, you know, pretty good frog doctor overall. Well, the frog knew this was an immortal thing. That's why he recommended the Miracle Rabbit in the first place. Maybe he's just a charlatan. Maybe he just made a potion for an immortal because, well, if I don't make a potion, they won't come up here. Like I said, we never got a chance to expose him. Yeah, it is curious. Hopefully the frog wasn't in on it. I don't think he was. Yeah, probably not. Was it already established, by the way, that the aliens could just breathe casually in space? Hmm. I mean, you would figure they could. They are from space, but... (laughs) Right, they're from space! I mean, if we went to another planet, we would be from space, so... I'm not sure how far that logic carries out if you think about it scientifically, but if you realize they're magical beings, it all kind of clicks into place. Right. Well, that was one of the last things that happened in the episode, so you know that I've reached my end of what I noticed this episode. But, uh, yeah, randomly, the, the moon's eating chips. Made it called moon crisps. Something disturbing about that. Mm, Hopefully not delicious. made from other moons. They're for the moon, not uh, made of moons. It's like baby oil. Same rules. But uh, something I wanted to discuss is something from uh, something that the rascal said. You know, we hear the striped horse say, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then what do we hear Ramona say to the frog this episode? Oh, Susie keeps saying, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, Just, you know, uh, leaving a little bit of foreshadowing for us before the rascals finally awaken. Uh, but that will definitely come up later. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome foreshadowing, honestly. Again, the way that they do these, like, kind of small, like, they kind of hit one or two points of connection between each episode, other than the fact that, you know, the the primary thing that carries the plot from one to the next. So, but I, I like that. Um, it's also effective that it's only one episode to the next that these connection points happen. So the pacing is not as drawn out like something they say this episode might be foreshadowing something that happens in three episodes it's very back-to-back well although uh although they do connect the rascals to uh to Susie in this episode again we don't really learn to what end until much later right i guess from that perspective yeah yeah good episode shall i uh outro us uh yeah not not the most ergonomic ending but sounds good (laughs) anyway guys that's it for us on miracle rabbit join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts and also there's like a bunch of symbols on the statues of the bunnies on the moon and now i need to know what those mean (laughs) later everybody Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>